What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. At a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, October 6th, 2022 edition, and we're well into the fourth quarter and volatility remains top of mind for most people and not just in the stock market but the bond market and commodity markets as well and that means you have to have a little stronger steel nerves than you you typically have Uh, and it becomes even more important to be invested according to your risk tolerance levels so that you're not shaken out of positions in times that have above average volatility. You know, the VIX still remains elevated. Still around 30, closed above 30 today for roughly the sixth, seventh time over the past 10 days. And so you have to have your portfolio optimized and balanced for your goals and once again, your risk tolerance level. So I'm here to help you get on task of making smart, consistent, and I will emphasize consistent, sound money decisions. So I'm Justin Klein. I look forward to this hour of Invest Talk with you, hearing your finance and investment questions and giving you my unbiased answers. Now, the phone number, as always, does not change. It's 888-99-CHART, and I've got a packed podcast for you. And our main focus point is in regards to the strong dollar and how that impacts corporations and more specifically, technology stocks. Did you know that out of the 11 S&P 500 sectors, technology stocks rank number one as a percentage of their revenue outside of the U.S.? So we're going to dig into that story. Time permitting, I have some other ones as well. One is in regards to the Inflation Reduction Act and biopharma companies. This is the first big crack in the armor uh, that the drug companies have built up for themselves really since the Prescription Drug Act, Medicare Prescription Drug Act in the early 2000s that was passed that really supercharged profits and government spending towards drugs. And so how what type of impact will this have on the industry and what companies are most exposed? So we're going to look at that. 
Also, we're going to touch a bit on how home builders are actually selling homes in bulk to investors. This interesting new strategy in an environment where, obviously, the housing market's slowing. And then lastly, if we have time, kind of a growing global backlash against the Fed and who's talking about it and will it have an impact. So we're going to look at that. But ultimately, I want to know what's on your mind. 888 chart is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. And I see we have some voice bank input as well as some iTunes review questions. So I've got this all planned for you. Now let's take a look at, are we going to go to a caller or are we going to talk about the market? What do you think? All right, let's touch on the market real quick. And tomorrow is really the big day. It's Fed Day, not Fed Day, excuse me, Fed Day is uh, not till November. It's Jobs Data Day, and this is one of the big data points that will come out over the coming four or five weeks that will inform the Fed of where they should be with the policy uh, for the balance of the year and into next year. And yet unemployment claims today that ticked up for last week. And once again, tomorrow, it's all about that jobs number. Are we going to get... A, a weakening, strengthening, and how will that feed through? Uh, but the S&P sold off about 1% today after you know three-day three, three day move, a um, bit of a pullback here, but we didn't break any major support levels. Uh, so overall, we still remain in kind of a, a consolidation box, shall we say, uh, over the past three days since the, the, the moves uh, late last week, or sorry, beginning of this week. So uh, overall, I don't see a major issue. Now, the dollar did get a bit of strength. Uh, interest rates were up a bit. Obviously, that was a drag on the market. Uh, but the number one thing will be how the market perceives the jobs data tomorrow. Now, let's go to James in New York. He wants to talk about 401k plan contributions. Good evening. How are you? Doing great. So what I wanted to know is um, during a year like this where the market, stocks, securities, bonds, have been down largely. Is this a more impactful time period of time to increase one's contributions in the sense that you'll be getting more for your dollar uh, the more you contribute because of the current market conditions? Yeah, obviously, you're getting more bang for your buck, you're getting more shares or more bonds, whatever you're investing in, because all of those assets are down. So if you have the wherewithal, you have the steel nerves to do it, uh, although a lot of people uh, aren't over the past, especially over the past couple of weeks. Uh, but if you do, then yeah, this is a better time to up your, your allocation overall. Uh, you know, the question is, are you going to pull it back if the market rallies? You know, can you afford it long term? Um, that's that's really up to you and your no, personal... No, it's a long term decision. I've, I've raised yeah. my contributions from... 11% to 14%. And that's just in my employer sponsored plan. Mm -hmm. I have other savings as well, naturally, mm -hmm. but I went from 11 to 14. And yes, that's a long term decision. Yeah. So like I said, I mean, it's a this is a smarter t time to do it than rather than when people are bold up and, and excited about the market. Um, so uh, I, I think this is a good time to be upping your, your contributions. And Hey, kudos to you for, once again, having those steel nerves to, to recognize that this is a time where there are a lot of values in the market, there is a lot of opportunity, and 
popping your allocation right now is uh, long-term uh, uh, probably a smart thing to do. Thanks for the call. Now we're heading into a break. Steve and I are happy to play your voice, recorded voice bank questions, but we love your live calls as well. Our number has never changed. It's still 888.99 chart. This is Talk. Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call Investor. 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Justin Klein. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Let's talk a little bit about the dollar, and I've touched on this a bit over the past few days, uh, but the strong dollar caused by tighter monetary policy, tighter than the tightening policy around the world, for the most part, right? The Bank of Japan, or Bank of uh, England, the ECB, they're all raising rates, but much slower than our economy. Uh, or our, our Fed, and then our economy is stronger than theirs as well as they are uh, ravished by, you know, the rising cost of, of energy and inflation. And so the the economic outlook globally is softening. Uh, but here, although it is softening as well, not quite as much, and at least not yet. So we'll see how long that lasts. But those are the things that are driving up the dollar. But global companies that have a lot of earnings in foreign jurisdictions, when they translate that back into US dollars, it's called the foreign exchange currency translation. That's an accounting term. You get less money back in dollars. And so when you're looking at earnings per share, that's dollars that's represented in dollars. And so it's a headwinds to earnings growth for those companies. Now, the biggest issue are companies that have their costs here in the US and their revenues elsewhere. Think of tech companies. Think of Silicon Valley. Their employees, most of software companies, their business or their, 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 their employees are domiciled here in the US. 
Now that's starting to spread out beyond just Silicon Valley, but still it's here in the US, wage inflation is very high and they have a large percent of their earnings or revenues overseas. It's actually 58% of large technology companies. That's how much of their revenue is outside the US. And those are the companies that get hurt the most. It's not just that you have revenue translated back in the dollars that becomes less, but your expenses stay flat. You know, when you have operations overseas and then your sales are overseas as well, at least there's kind of that match there and you don't get the double whammy hit. You, you get a benefit from the lower cost of labor and input costs overseas, but then you're hit the other side on the revenue. Whereas especially tech companies, those that have a lot of their operating expenses here in the US, they're not getting that benefit of a cheaper currency to pay their workers. The dollar's getting stronger, but their sales, 58% of them are overseas. Once again, that's the highest share of all 11 S&P 500 groups. Microsoft's a good example. In July, it's reported its slowest revenue growth since obviously the pandemic and warned that it believes a strong dollar will shave five percentage points off its revenue growth in the next quarter. Google and Meta or Facebook all said currency fluctuations will hurt results in this coming earnings season. And this is part of the reason the NASDAQ is down 32% year to date. So you add the strong dollar, you add the probability of a recession in the next 12 months at about 50%, according to uh, most US economists. And you have rising interest rates, which we've talked about before, are ahead into multiples and, uh, and yeah, just multiples. And so you have multiple contraction, you have earnings deceleration, sometimes going down, and you have the future that economically becomes more uncertain. Now, the US dollar is up about 16% for the year. That's uh, on a basket of 16 different currencies. And historically, every 8 to 10% increase in the dollar, it drops US GDP growth by about 1%. So you're talking north of uh, about, about around 2% drag due to the strong dollar on the overall economy. So multiple factors here are impacting the technology stocks, but mainly it's that US dollar. That's a huge, huge struggle uh, and why you're seeing, uh, you know, the, the kind of triple whammy in that space. Now it's an Invest Talk Thursday and we are all watching these market gyrations and as serious investors, I know you have questions and that means our number never changes we're here for you and the number never closes either so this is invest talk give me a call at 888-99-CHART and the issue here is that the prices just run away from the fundamentals. Got a question for Steve or Justin? Um, I wanted to see if you thought that that was a safer place to park the money for long term. You're the best person to ask it. 888-99-CHART. 
Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Hi, Justin and Steve. Uh, this is Adam from Turlock. Love the show. My question is about strategy. Uh, I was reading an investment book, and it basically said that it's impossible to beat the market. Don't bother trying. They did a study of mutual fund managers, and it's very rare for them to beat the market. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on that. My initial thoughts were that potentially mutual fund managers have a hard time beating the market because they have such a large amount of money to manage and that smaller individual investors may have a better chance because they can invest in some smaller stocks that mutual funds can't touch. I'd love to hear your uh, thoughts. Thanks a lot. Well, that latter part is certainly true. Having the nimbleness to find opportunities in the very, very small cap space and that that have good companies that are just uh, kind of, you know, baby being thrown out the bathwater, uh, whereas big institutions, they have trouble bringing on those positions in heft. Um, so that's certainly true. Now, all those studies that you're, they're pointing to are, are simple. They're looking at thousands of mutual funds. And when you take thousands of mutual funds and put them all together, what is that? That's the market. Mutual funds are a huge part of the market. And so in aggregate, in total, they're going to be roughly the market. And then you take their higher average fee than say your ETF or zero, if you're, you know, just buying individual stocks. And naturally that's going to underperform by the typically the spread between that fee and the lower fee of a, an index fund, for example. So that's why those studies are not that great because there are a lot of funds. Now, are they the minority? Sure. That do consistently beat the market over a long period of time. Now, no strategy is going to beat the market every single year. Even the best investors in history are going to have bad quarters, bad years, maybe bad a couple of years. But longer term, typically their ability to pivot, to understand market trends, sector trends, company trends. If you have done this long enough and you have discipline and a process, you can certainly beat the market. But that's what it takes. It's not an hour or two a week here and there making a trade or two here and there. It takes a plan and consistently adjusting that plan, consistent, consistently allocating towards that plan and refining it. No great investor was came out of the womb a great investor. Took them time to develop the, the, the knowledge, the skills, acquire the, the tools in order to execute on that process. So 
Can you beat the market? Yes, but it takes it takes work. So I don't really love those broad views of mutual funds because once again, it's just taking an aggregate look at the market. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Randall1951 says, by sheer dumb luck, I bought a small position in Exxon at 31.74. I don't expect to see the price again, but would like to increase my holdings. What is a good entry price? Uh, well, Exxon, along with all the energy stocks, have, have surged over the past uh, few days. And I would say if it gets back down to the 200-day moving average, around 85, I think that's a, a good entry point. So, you know, I... I I think it's fine. Is it my favorite oil stock out there? No, but it's a good one. And uh, around 85, you know, call it high 80s is uh, a good entry price. Now it's at 102. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 8899 We have about 25 minutes left in the show to get your call in. So I encourage you to reach out. We love your live calls more than, uh, more than anything. I like to have a back and forth with you a little bit. The recorded questions are great. The iTunes reviews are uh, definitely appreciated. Uh, but these live calls are the bread and butter of this show. You know, we've been doing the show for nearly 30 years. Best Talk's been around, I don't know if you know this, since the 90s. And so we've always relied. We didn't even do recorded questions until early 2000s. So uh, we love them and uh, I encourage you to give uh, us a call and and, uh, and and connect, all right? Now on the next Invest Talk, the story behind this headline, the case for why you should stay invested even through the S&P, even though the S&P 500 is down over 20% this year. What's the case for, hey, ignore the noise and hold. 2022 is looking to be one of the roughest years ever for the market, but market history offers a silver lining for long-term investors. So we're going to look at the data points there. Steve will get to that tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. Yeah, I own GDX, um, and I just wanted to get your opinion on it. What's your question? 888-99-CHART. say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in 
patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hi, Stephen. Justin, this is Kevin calling from La Crescenta, California. I have a question regarding a company, A.O. Smith, ticker symbols AOS, as in Sam. They manufacture uh, water heating equipment and electric motors. It's sitting at a PE of under 15, and I'm just trying to see what uh, forecast for this company and stock is for the future. I appreciate your help, as always. Thank you. All right, this is AO Smith Corporation, and this is actually a name that we own for some managed accounts. And they have taken a hit uh, as of late. We picked it up over the past uh, few months, so luckily we haven't uh, borne much of that brunt. But it is down about 41% of the from the recent high. Yields about 2.2%. And uh, we really like this name and the consistency of its business. Return on equity right now is about 28, which is probably a little bit too high. But long term, it's average right around 22% on return on equity. So we like that consistency of profitability and the dividend. They've been increasing the dividend over time. They've also been buying back shares. Uh, 2013, they had 185 million shares outstanding, now only 154. And they've just been kind of slowly taking that consistent free cash flow, which is now at 424 million, uh, keep taking that uh, to, to buy back shares. So we, so we like that. And they have zero net debt, a little bit of long-term debt, but it's offset by cash. So uh, really good balance sheet. And it's trading an enterprise value to EBITDA of 10 times, which historically is the low end of its range of where it trades. So, and it's at some major support down here around 45 to $50 per share. It's at 5078 to close. So we really like it. Uh, they, they make, like you said, they make water heaters. One issue is that they do have a decent amount of revenue overseas, the rest of the world. Now, the majority of the revenue is here in North America, so uh, it's not completely uh, exposed to those foreign currencies, but 
to some degree. And that's another reason why you're seeing uh, some headwinds, at least near term, and earnings are expected uh, earnings expectations are coming down a bit for this year and next year, but still supposed to grow 15% this year, 5% next year. So I think this is a, a good opportunity. It says AO Smith, or sorry, Smith AO Corporation. Thanks for the call. Now let's pivot over to the Inflation Reduction Act. And this was passed into law on August 16th. And one of the major aspects of the bill was to reduce the cost of prescription drugs drugs when it came to Medicare. And there were three main components of this bill that affect the healthcare industry. One is shifting Medicare Part D cost sharing away from the government and towards payers, as well as the biopharma companies with the most expensive drugs. Also to penalize biopharma firms that raise Medicare prices by more than the rate of, the, of inflation annually. And number three, mandatory price cuts on Medicare drugs that have extended patent protection. Now, this will result in an average of 2% cut to the fair value across the large cap biopharma industry. And the pharma firms will see varying effects depending on their reliance to Medicare sales, price increases, expensive specialty drugs, as well as lengthened patent protection. So all the companies that fall under those categories are going to be impacted, some more than others. Now, firms such as AstraZeneca, Bristol Farms, uh, Bristol Farms, Bristol, Bristol, Bristol Myers, excuse me, Bristol Farms, Bristol Myers, there we go, Gilead and Novo Nordisk, those are going to be the most impacted uh, by this, as well as Biogen, Pfizer, Roche, and Biomarine, among many others. But those are kind of the big ones. Now, the, the global market for prescription drugs is about $1.4 trillion annually. And the U.S. alone accounts for about 40% of overall sales. And 30% of that comes from Medicare itself. Remember, this is only a cap on Medicare costs. So this puts Medicare at 12% of overall global drug spending. And of branded Medicare sales... 15% of global branded drug market uh, is, is here in the U.S. Uh, so that's that's a big impact uh, for a lot of these uh, companies. So you're going to have more penalties and rebates, uh, and that means the drug industry here in the U.S. will be marginally less profitable. It's not going to be major, but some more than others. Now, the CBO office estimates that this will actually reduce the number of drugs that hit market by roughly four or five a year. Okay. So that's one, I guess, a negative impact if you uh, think more drugs are better. And firms will continue to raise prices on their drugs that they charge outside of Medicare. So maybe they'll try to make it up charging, you know, healthcare companies and individuals. Um, but I wanted to highlight that because this is something that the drug industry has been reliant on is consistent cash flow from the government and consistently able to raise prices above inflation to hit earnings targets, knowing that, hey, Medicare is going to pay. Drug or, uh, healthcare companies are going to pay. 
Now, one shift that may happen, kind of side effect of this, is that when they do launch new drugs, they're probably going to launch them at higher prices because, hey, if you can, if you can't raise the price more than inflation, if you start off at a higher price, then you know that doesn't hurt as bad. Obviously, you can't adjust the current drug prices, but the new drugs are likely to hit at higher prices. So I wanted to really highlight that because it's a, it's a very interesting first shot across the bow. And one thing is, I think this is, this is probably going to snowball, to be honest with you. I could easily see uh, this increasing to more and more drugs, different types of drugs. Uh, and, and you know that's how the government works is they start one place and then they expand it. And you can argue it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I wanted to give you, the, give you the impact so that you can make an informed decision when you're looking at these drug companies that may be exposed. Now let's keep things moving and pivot back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier at 888.99 chart. Hey, Stephen Justin, this is Art from Tucson. I have a question about bond funds. Anyway, these two funds I bought, um, small positions, there's the Schwab Short-Term Bond Index, which is SWS. DX. And then there's the Schwab Treasury Inflation Protected Index, which is SWRSX. I'd like to know what you think about those bond funds. And also, should I be reinvesting the capital gains and dividends? Or should I just take the cash payout that I assume goes into my account from those funds? All right. Well, Reinvesting of your dividends or your interest, if you're talking about bond funds, so it's going to be interest, not dividends. Uh, we like to do it more optimistically. Now, bond funds, they typically, I know this year is kind of an outlier, but typically they're not that volatile. So I think it's less impactful, uh, but we like to take it as cash to be able to redeploy that money uh, opportunistically as opposed to just kind of whenever, whatever the price is, when that, uh, when that dividend or interest is paid. Um, so that's the way I would look at that. Uh, now when it comes to your, I believe it's, I'm trying to look up the, the first one. I didn't, I'm not finding it. So uh, I wish I could help you. Um, but the Schwab tips, which I believe, let me pull that up here. Huh. I'm not getting, oh, here we go. Schwab tips. Fund? I don't know. I can't. I can't find what you're what you're looking at um, now. Uh, well, I will talk a little bit about short-term bonds, um, and I'll just talk about the bond market in general. Now, tips are fine. Uh, they are a safer way to play or to hedge against inflation. They are a safer way. Are they the best way? Absolutely not. If you're willing to take the risks, commodities in general are going to be by far the best hedge against inflation. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, if you want to buy any type of bond fund, you want to be taking more credit risk versus duration risk. This year is a good example. If you're in, let's say IEF, or let's go actually TLT, a long duration, low credit risk bond exposure. And so far this year, 
that portfolio. That's down about 30% this year, TLT. Okay, these are 20 plus year treasuries. Once again, long duration, low credit risk. Okay. Now, let's compare that to an HYG. HYG. This is the iShares High Yield Bond ETF. Okay. Higher yield, taking credit risk, much shorter duration. Let's look at the duration here. Only about four years is the effective duration. Modified duration is about four and a half years. And the performance so far this year, down, but down 12, 12.5%. So I think this year is a microcosm of some of the bad years you'll probably see. Uh, for this decade. Now, it doesn't mean that uh, every year is going to be like this year. There's going to be plenty of good years uh, in the markets this decade. But in a generally inflationary world, duration risk, meaning exposure to long, long-term bonds, are going to be bad. So you talked about short-term bond fund. That's good. I'd have to take a look at it. I don't know how much exposure to government bonds. It's not where you want to be. If you have an index fund, if you're uh, in the aggregate bond index, a lot of TSPs, you have some uh, exposure there. Uh, a lot of multi-asset bond funds, they follow that BND, the, the, the aggregate bond index. That's heavily weighted towards treasuries. Once again, not where you want to be. Okay, so that's my general thought on it. Tips are okay. Short-term bonds are good, but you want to take some credit risk, get a little better yield, uh, and I think you'll be in better in a better place. Now the seasons are changing, markets are as well, and volatility means you need to have updated strategies and need to know how to apply them consistently. So this brings me to making you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself or Steve Peasley at our client-focused company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California, where we practice parallel investing and unbiased guidance, and our philosophy is the same independent thinking, and shared success. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go-to meeting. Just send us a message through investtalk.com or give our office a call at 800-557-5461. Love to speak to you short period of time. And the sooner we get in contact, the sooner we can get your portfolio optimized. Now this is Invest Talk. Next up, another caller question. So hang on. Hey, love the show. I've learned a lot. This is Don from Durham, North Carolina. I've got a question about BGFV, Big Five Sporting Goods. So I was just wondering what you think about BGFV, where it is right now. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right, this is Big Five Sporting Goods, and it's come down dramatically from its 52-week high, down 76%, now, to, now down to $11. Its high was $47. And it's yielding about 9% right now. But the big question is, can it sustain that level of dividend? And let me take a look here. Earnings last year were $4.49. On $11 stock, you're going to say, that looks super cheap. Problem is, earnings this year expects it to be $2.41. And 2023, $1.48. So roughly a 10 forward multiple. The issue, though, is will they go all the way back to their earnings pre-pandemic of only $0.42 cents in 2019? 
That's the real question. When do the earnings revisions stop? And the positive here is that the short interest, meaning the number of shares short, is about 13 days, about 13 million shares. And the float is 21 million. So it's definitely going to be prone to some short squeezes. And that would be the play here is watching the technicals and see, you know, is it building up to some type of short squeeze? Because those are natural buyers that, uh, as you've seen with the meme stocks, GameStop, et cetera, uh, high short interest stocks can get big, big pops to the upside. And then it typically fades pretty quickly. So this is more of a sh trade short squeeze candidate uh, because the business is mean reverting. And mean reverting for big five, if you look at its long-term profitability, is pretty meager. It's median return on equity over the past five years is about 5%. Okay. And historically, it's not been a very well-run business. It's one of the weaker retailers, especially in the space. So to me, this is only a trade. I don't like the company fundamentals longer term. Uh, but the fact that that short interest is so high means that, hey, this could easily pop from 11 now. Hey, maybe it rallies into the 20s again, just on, on that short squeeze. But there needs to be some sort of a catalyst. Maybe it's uh, earnings expectations or earnings report that beats expectations. Who knows what the catalyst is? But that's the only way I would trade it. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. That means if you're going to call, you need to do that right now at 888 chart You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Go talk to Curtis in Texas looking at TWO, Two Harbors Investments. Can you hear me, Curtis? I can hear you. How are you doing, Justin? I'm doing well. Uh, you're looking at Two Harbors, correct? That's correct. I was interested if, well, I have some concerns about the the reverse split and how it's doing with the housing market being so low right now. I was wondering, is it something I should continue to invest or should I stop investing? Because they've consist been consistently giving a good wondering, Is this still a good move or what do you suggest? All right. This is a great example of a type of company and type of things that happen with, with these companies that you should pay attention to and are always big red flags. Now, the first thing is a reverse split. Reverse splits are almost never a good thing. Okay. So if you see company reverse splitting, they're just trying to slap lipstick on a pig. It's exactly what they're trying to do. Okay. So that's number one. And a lot of people are these now this for everyone else. This is two harbors. I think we talked about this in the last week. It is a mortgage REIT and mortgage REITs are serially uh, value traps, right? And when I say value traps, more like dividend traps, people are uh, investing 
in and looking at the high dividend right now, the trailing dividend on TWO is 20% based on the current price. The problem is, is that going forward, their dividends likely to be cut just like it's been consistently for the past decade. And on top of that, they're going to be issuing more and more shares in order to pay out that dividend. So two harbors back in 2012, they paid a dollar 10 per share. What are they paying now? 17 cents per share. Big difference, right? Consistently cutting throughout the last decade. Then you move over to their number of shares outstanding. Back in 2010, they had 6.7 million shares outstanding. Want to take a guess of what is outstanding today? 344 million shares. Just continually issuing more shares. So the history of this business is extremely poor. And then on top of that, you have the economic backdrop. Remember, these mortgage REITs are kind of like mini banks. They borrow short and they lend long and they lend into the mortgage market, right? They're buying mortgage-backed securities. And mortgage-backed securities are asset-based securities, asset-backed securities, excuse me. And when the, the value of the assets backing those securities goes down, the underlying value of those securities go down because if they default, uh, you foreclose on the home and you don't get quite as much back as you did as you as you lent out. Remember what happened in 08? Not to say it's going to happen in, in droves, but in general, that's another headwind you have. So higher rates, uh, weakening values of the underlying asset, and just poorly managed business or REIT in this case. So there are a ton of these dividend traps and not all companies that pay high dividends are dividend traps, but a lot of them are, especially these mortgage REITs. So don't get roped, in, roped into it. I would not be owning this at all. And remember, huge red flag when a company is doing a reverse split or when a company is consistently issuing more shares in order to pay out a dividend. It's just robbing Peter to pay Paul. So absolutely move on from TWO to Harbors Investments. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Our official Invest Talk downloads count now exceeds 45.8 million thanks to you. Get your Invest Talk podcast anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Your positive rating raises our profile and helps spread the word. And you can even leave a brief question with your rating, and we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. 
For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.